321 only. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Most of you are already aware that we have guests with us this morning, uh, Mitch and Cindy Hendry. Mitch is the new president at Faulkner University, spoke to us in a combined class uh, this morning. They live on a farm near uh, Hope Hall. That's the area where Mitch grew up. He grew up at the Liberty Church. I think they are members at Vaughn Park uh, now. Um, He has uh, been an attorney in Montgomery for 29 years, and in more recent years, he has begun to teach uh, in criminal justice, I believe it is, and uh, somewhat in the law school as as well. And as of June 1, he is the new president at uh, Faulkner University. Cindy comes from North Alabama, Moulton, growing with, uh, up with, knowing, and, and being friends with some of the descendants of one of our founders at Faulkner, Leonard Johnson. So we have connections on, on several sides. I don't want to take very much of his time, but I, I think I should uh, share with you that uh, the elders wanted Mitch to come, come early, and and speak to us, but it's my understanding that he beat us to the punch. He invited himself (laughs) before we could get that invitation out. That's appropriate, I think. He wants to start here, and this is the place to start. And in fact, he, in class, gave us some of the reasons why that's so. Obviously, physically, we're hard by the university here. We, we share parking lots and, and all of those things. Obviously, we have lots of staff and faculty at all times who are members here from uh, the university there. And I think he referred to this, and I think it certainly is true. I don't know of one congregation anywhere else that has given more to the VP Black College of Biblical Studies than uh, uh, University Church, and we want to continue that in, in years to, uh, to come. Again, we're, we're glad he's, he's hinted at some things that he has in mind, and I'm convinced that he has a plan. So I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I'm praying for you, Mitch, and for Faulkner University. I think the future is, is bright. Um, well, welcome, Mitch Henry. It is great to be here. What a lovely crowd. What wonderful singing this morning. Cindy and I 
we're uh, whispering to one another, this is great. It's so good to, uh, to be a part of a congregation that loves to sing, and God bless you, Jason Isbell. Uh, I watched Jason in Cornerstone years ago, and I have to confess, I wanted to get up there and sing bass with those guys. They were terrific. Brother Cheatham, thank you so much for that kind introduction. Uh, God bless you and your, your sweet family. Um, I've, I've known so many here in this congregation. I, I want to say, uh, to begin with, as I said in, in class this morning, thank you. Thank you on behalf of Faulkner University. Thank you. Not just on behalf of the university, I want to thank you personally. I've grown up in, in this, uh, this city and in this community all my life. I grew up in the house my daddy was born in, out in Pentlala. And folks, people in this church, it's amazing how the Lord has, has brought you into my life in different ways. You're my people. You're my people. And it is an honor for me to stand before you here today. It's an honor for me as president of Faulkner University to call upon the University Church of Christ to be the first church that I address in my official role as president of this university. You are a city on a hill. You are the light of the world. And I'm so blessed to be here with you. Not only do you have a wonderful song leader, you've got a wonderful preacher. Uh, Randy Medlin has... uh, uh, said things to me that have, have inspired me through the years. He's inspired my neighbors, uh, Prissy and Lavelle Head. Saw Prissy this morning. Where are you, Prissy? Okay, she's here. I know I saw you. Okay. Oh, there she is. All right. She's hiding. It's, and Lavelle's here too. Isn't that great? Uh, they have a child named Justice Head. I love Justice My only disappointment with Justice is that he didn't go to law school like he told me. He said he was going to go to law school. I wanted Justice to go to law school. I wanted Justice to become not just an attorney, but a judge. I wanted Justice not just to become a a judge. I wanted him to become a head justice. That way we could call him Head Justice, Justice Head. You tell Justice I said howdy. And that we have an executive program now at the law school. And Justice can go to the law school and keep his full-time job and still get a degree by going on Fridays and Saturdays. Takes four years instead of three, but we'll talk to you afterwards, okay? Excellent. That's still a dream of mine. Would love for that to happen. As president of Faulkner University, we've got a law school. I like to say I've got a law school now. We've got a football team. And there's a president's skybox. I've always wanted a skybox. I hope that some of y'all get to come and be a part of our skybox. We've got an incredible school of biblical studies, and I shared a lot about that this morning in Bible class. We've got an incredible school of health sciences, and you'll hear more about that have a wonderful school of education, an amazing school of business, and my favorite is that uh, liberal arts, uh, College of Arts and Sciences Department of Legal Studies and Criminal Justice. 
You know, Kathy Davis is the head of that department. Many of you know Kathy. Kathy was my paralegal when I left my first job at Rushton Stakely and started my own law firm with my partner, Will Webster. Kathy got us up and going. So she used to be my employee. Well, a few years ago, she said, Mitch, we're short a professor. Uh, would you work a little less in your law firm and come and be a full-time professor here at Faulkner? And so she went from being my employee to me being her employee. And guess what happened June the 1st? Now I'm her boss again. It's great. God has a wonderful sense of humor. Another reason that God has a sense of humor is look what's up on the board. You know, I got up this morning to make some edits to this. Raise your hand if you see the typo. Yeah, you guys pay attention. We want you to be a student at Faulkner. Yes. If you can pick out the typo. Yeah, it's not 2006. It's 2022. Wow. I got off to a really good start with my visual aids, didn't I? Today, we're, we're blessed to be in this church, and I want to share with you uh, a message uh, about the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ that begins at the dawn of creation. Now, we're going to start back in time in the early spring of 1971 in Pentlala, Alabama, at the home of Davis and Marjorie Henry. It was a Sunday morning. It was time to get up. And my mama said, Mitch, get up. And I kind of rolled over. And mama urged me a little bit more, a little bit more earnestly, Mitch, you need to get up. It's time to go to church. We don't want to be late for church at Liberty. And after the third urging, any of y'all ever been snatched up? I was snatched up. Now, I want to share something with you. There was not time for me to get dressed. I had a job. I had to go and feed the goat, Billy. That was my job as a a four-and-a-half-year-old, was to go and to feed our family pet goat, Billy, outside. And since we're out of time, Mama said, you get up and go feed that goat after she snatched me up. Well, she, she didn't just snatch me up. She took me to to the back porch, and she set me down into my rubber boots. Now, folks, I want you to know something. Nothing fosters shame like a public display of whitey-tidies. And so I dashed outside in my, my Fruit of the Looms as fast as I could Dodging from tree to fence post, and I got to Billy, and I fed Billy, and then, you know, like a commando, I dashed back to the house, and I got inside, and I vowed never to sleep late again. And if you know me, you know, yeah, well, if you work at Faulkner, you've probably got some emails from me early in the morning already. I love getting up early in the morning, and I think it's because of that experience. Why in the world would the president of Faulkner University begin his first Bible lesson with a story from the book of Genesis that involved nakedness and clothing. Let's see if we can make some sense out of it. Here we go. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Now, to understand this fully, we've got to give a little bit of background about what went on. 
You know God created the heavens and the earth, and he created man and woman, Adam and Eve, and things were going along pretty well there for a while in the Garden of Eden. Folks were, were eating from the, the fruit of the trees there, and God said, now there's just one tree that you're not supposed to eat from. That tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. That's right. And then along comes this snake, this serpent, that old bad fellow, the devil. And he tempts Mother Eve, and she looks at the fruit. It's pleasing to the eye. It's uh, uh, good to look upon, a desire to make one wise, and it was good to eat. And she took a bite. And then there was Adam. Now, Adam and Eve, they weren't wearing clothes at this time, were they? Scripture says they were naked. And Adam looks at Eve, who's naked. And she's holding this fruit with a bite out of it. And she says, honey. And he says, duh. Okay. And he takes a bite. And then what happens? They recognize they're naked. Okay? And, and that gets us to this point. Uh, God pronounces some curses, some things happen, and then he says this, uh, or he does this. He makes clothes out of animal skins. Now, raise your hand if you've ever killed and skinned an animal. Killed and skinned an animal? Yes, we've got some hunters in here. Yes. All right, now, if you've been fishing, and if, raise your hand if you ever cleaned a fish. All right, that counts too. You have killed and you have skinned an animal. All right? In order for God to give clothes for Adam and Eve, He didn't just... Some innocent animals had to give their lives. And I've never skinned an animal when there wasn't some blood. So innocent blood was shed to, to create these skins for Adam and Eve, to wear, to cover up their nakedness, and to deal with their shame. Here's some more about the story. When they ate the fruit, the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called, God called unto Adam and said to him, Where art thou? All right? Now, don't get you to raise your hand again. Raise your hand if you've ever picked figs. Figs. All right. You folks who picked figs, yes or no? Are fig leaves a good choice for clothing to be put against your naked body. No, no. Fig leaves are itchy, aren't they? That was not very smart. We try in our sin and dealing with our shame to cover ourselves and cover our shame in ways that just don't work out too well for us as human beings, right? That's why we have drug issues. That's why... We cover our shame and our ills and our problems with alcohol. That's why we eat too much when we don't need to eat too much. We are 
very poor at trying to cover our shames. When we do our shame, when we do it ourselves, it generally doesn't work out too well. Kind of like itchy fig leaves. So, God recognizes, if you look back at this scripture, something's going on. They're, they're not, the fig leaf clothing must not have worked out too well because they're still trying to hide from God. You know, the fig leaves, it's not covering their shame well enough for them to have confidence to be before the Lord. And they also are feeling a little bit of guilt. And no matter how hard they try to fix it themselves, they can't get her done. So what happens next? He said, uh, this is Adam talking, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. Now, is that the whole truth? You know, part of being a lawyer is you get to cross-examine people. I love cross-examining people. I love getting people to, to say things, and then you can uh, cross-examine them and, and, and prove that they're not telling the truth, and just, ugh, it's fun. It's fun, yes. Is that the whole truth of Adam? If I were cross-examining Adam, I would say, now, Adam, is that the only reason that you hid from God because of this nakedness? What would be the answer? Well, no. He's hiding from God because God said, don't eat the fruit. The creator of the universe who created him said, don't eat the fruit. And he ate it. And Adam is feeling the G word. He's feeling guilt. He's feeling guilt. Adam says, I hid myself. And God says, who told you that you were naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree that I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? We know the rest of the story. We know that Adam fessed up and took the full blame himself, didn't he? Yes. No, he didn't do that. You've got to watch lawyers now. They'll lead you down a path a little bit. No. What did Adam do? Did what most men do. He blamed his wife. Shame on Adam. This woman that you made me, she took a bite and she offered me some and uh, I, I ate it. Wow. We've been making excuses, haven't we, since the dawn of creation. What happens here is transformative, and it sets the scene for all of human history. Right here in this moment in Genesis 3, we have a pattern that is set that goes throughout the entire Old Testament and into the New Testament and leads us to the cross. And folks, here is the pattern. Because of Adam and Eve's sin, they needed covering. The covering that God chose was animal skins. Animal skins. He chose animal skins. All right. We wear leather shoes, right? We wear leather jackets. 
I've got to confess to you, I've never worn leather pants. Now, I'm not going to ask you all to raise your hands if you've ever worn leather pants. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But these coverings for Adam and Eve were made out of animal skins. Now, what that means is, in, in this story, there were a number of other things. The next item I want to cover is sin. What was the sin? They ate from the fruit from the forbidden tree. There was guilt. There was this wrongdoing that we just talked about regarding Adam and Eve. Um, Wrongdoing became known and exposed. When it was known and exposed, the result was what? Guilt. There was shame. There was shame. And the shame manifested itself not just emotionally and mentally. The shame manifested itself physically. From that point forward, we as human beings feel shame if our nakedness is uncovered. In addition to the shame, there was judgment. The wrongdoing... There was a consequence. It brought the curse. It brought the curse. And it brought the curse of death. You know, if you read Genesis uh, 1, 2, 3, and 4 carefully, it's a pretty reasonable conclusion that Adam and Eve would have lived forever had they not taken the bite. And so, we have the curse of death. The curse of death that's going to meet every single person, you and I, every single person in this room. And then we have innocent life. Innocent animals had to give up and their lives and provide their skins to cover the shame of Adam and Eve. And we have death. To create the skins for the clothing, the animals died. We have sacrifice. Who owned those animals that gave their lives and their skins to cover up Adam and Eve's shame. They weren't Adam and Eve's. Those were God's animals. God sacrificed a part of His creation to cover up mankind's sin. And then finally, and I want you to pay very careful attention to this last one here, safety and salvation. I love pointers and clickers. Safety and salvation. The nakedness ended... With clothing. If you don't get anything else out of this chart, get that. The nakedness ended with what? Clothing. Say it with me. The nakedness ended with clothing. God makes a self-sacrifice plan to end shame and overcome death. Do you remember? In this story, there's a prophecy. It's in the curse that God made to the devil, to Satan. He said to Satan that the seed of woman, that's singular, the seed of woman is going to crush your head, Satan, and you will bruise his heel. And from that prophecy, God sets in motion what we know to be the greatest story ever told, which is the story of Jesus Christ, the Son of God that sacrificed himself for the world. So, to have safety and salvation for Adam and Eve, 
the nakedness ended with clothing. So, where is Jesus in this story? Where is Jesus in this pattern? If we look back at this pattern, all those main topics, the covering, the sin, the guilt, the shame, the judgment, innocent life, death, innocent blood, sacrifice, safety, and salvation, all of those things are reflected thousands of years later in the story of Jesus on the cross. And here they are. What is the covering that Jesus gives us? Jesus' body and His blood are the covering for our shame. Since fig leaves aren't working out too well for us, God gave the blood of His only Son, gave the body of His Son to be our covering. What about sin? In Jesus' story, it was the sin of the high priest, the sin of the elders, the teachers of the law, the sin of Pilate, the sin of the mob that was yelling out, crucify him. And then, guys, it's not just those folk. It's also and all of humankind. Yeah, it's you and me. We sing lots of songs, don't we, about how it was our sin that put him on the cross, right? All of us have sinned. I could say raise your hand if you hadn't sinned, but I would embarrass somebody, okay? We won't do that. All of mankind sins as a result. Jesus, to cover us, was nailed to a cross. What about guilt? Though sinless, Jesus experienced the punishment for our guilt. Jesus experienced the punishment for our guilt. What about shame? Was there shame in Jesus' crucifixion? He experienced shame while being spat upon, while being mocked, and while hanging there on a cross nearly, if not completely naked. I know our Renaissance artists always put a cloth there, but folks, you read up on crucifixion, often the folks who were crucified were crucified naked in the first century. Judgment. Jesus took upon himself judgment for our wrongful acts. Innocent life. At the cross, Jesus gave up his innocent life for us. And then death. Jesus suffered death and innocent blood. Jesus shed his innocent blood. And then finally, sacrifice. Because he, Jesus, and the Father were one, his life was a sacrifice, a sacrifice to cover over our sins with forgiveness. And then safety, salvation, finally. Jesus, his dying, brings our spiritual salvation and safety in promised eternal life after physical death, so when we die, there's a promised eternal life after our physical death, and he does that when we are clothed with him. When we are clothed with him. Now here is the big question for this lesson. All right, everybody, it's time to wake up, everybody. Here's the big question for this lesson. So how does God clothe us with Jesus? 
How are we clothed with Christ? How does this connect us back to Adam and Eve and God giving them animal skin clothing? And, and this pattern that we've just talked about. Guys, here it is. <coughs> the Apostle Paul and the book of Galatians. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the whole, whole New Testament. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, and here it is, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, bond or free. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And you are heirs according to the promise. We, who are baptized into Christ, guys, that's what we're doing. When we're immersed in the water, Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 6 that we die with Christ, we're buried with Him, and we're raised with Him to walk a new life. When we're baptized, folks, we're getting a new set of clothes. And it's not leather animal skins. It is the clothing of Jesus Christ Himself. So, as innocent blood was shed for those sinners in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, to clothe the first sinners, so Jesus' innocent blood was shed to spiritually clothe, to spiritually clothe all baptized sinners with Jesus Himself. Baptism is immersion in water for spiritual cleansing. What did Peter say about it? Chapter 3, he said it's not getting a bath, it's not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but it's an answer of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by what? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism is immersion in water for spiritual cleansing. When God looks upon the obedient sinner who's been baptized, that baptized, obedient believer, he sees not the naked sinner, but he sees his sinless son. That's the whole point of what Paul is saying in Galatians. And it connects right back to Adam and to Eve. And folks, it's all part of God's plan. It's all part of God's plan. When bad things happen in your life, do you sometimes say, God works all things together for good. It's part of His plan. I believe that. Do you believe that? We are part of God's eternal plan. It's a plan for spiritual salvation. It's a plan to be renewed and connected back with Him to refresh what we lost when we sinned. 
This Jesus, this is from the first gospel sermon. Yeah, that's from Acts chapter 2. Peter said this to the folks at Pentecost after Jesus had been killed, had been raised from the dead on the third day, and several, several weeks had passed. Peter's speaking to a bunch of folks on the day of Pentecost, and this is part of his sermon. We like to skip down to verse, what number is that? 38? Yeah, we like to skip down to 38. There's a lot of good stuff before 38, folks. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men, and God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. God determined from the dawn of creation that Jesus Christ was going to be killed. Not just that he was going to be killed, he was going to die on a Roman cross. He was going to die a painful death. That he was going to leave heaven and become a human being and do this. Because God was going to make clothing for us as sinners. And the clothing was going to be spiritual clothing made out of Jesus himself. So today, our sin, like Adam and Eve, it requires justice and punishment. There are consequences to sin. Criminal justice here, (laughs) all about crime and punishment. When there's crime, there needs to be punishment. When there's sin... There's punishment that's required. So justice requires that, but God provided His Son's innocent blood sacrifice to, and here's a big word, it's an important word, folks, to substitute, to substitute for our own spiritual death sentence. That's right, Jesus on the cross, it's not just a a neat, unique story. It is a substitution for our own guilt and shame and the price of the crime that we owe because of all the bad stuff that we've done and all the bad stuff that we will do. Yes, no one is perfect. Now, you gentlemen, I know you're you're thinking about, well, my bride's perfect, she's wonderful, you know. No, even the best... Loving woman of God here is not perfect. We all sin. So, God allowed us to become His spiritual children by clothing us. And it's not with animal skins, it's with His Son through baptism. Praise God for His mercy. And I love this. God has the perfect eye for fashion, doesn't He? He does. His plan and His purpose are absolutely Amazing. So, what follows baptism's beginning? What follows baptism's beginning is the cross. We carry our cross daily. Jesus' words to his apostles and disciples, and this is our last scripture today, is this. He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, And follow me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, 
and follow me. When we talk about vocational ministry, which is my theme as the new president of Faulkner, what we're really talking about, folks, is daily cross-carrying. We're talking about what God has called us to do. To minister to the people around us. To minister to our families. To do our work the best way that we can do our work. To bring glory to God's name and to please Him and not please ourselves. When we have the opportunity to serve God each day, it's a blessing. I love Brother Percy James. I don't know if you all know Percy and Gloria James. They're longtime members at at Baum Park, Church of Christ. Percy sends me a text, prayer, and Bible verse message every day. I can count on him to give me encouragement. We need to be doing things for one another daily. Do you do that for your spouse and your children? We do on some level, but do we do spiritual things for one another daily? Do we encourage one another in a way that Jesus encouraged his apostles and his disciples? Think about it. They live with one another for years and years. Wow. He didn't just share the Word of God. Jesus shared His life. Are you doing that? That's what daily cross-bearing means. I shared with the, the Bible class this morning that I've got a word for the next 12 months for Faulkner University and for me. And that one word is the word connection. Connection. I'm hoping that In my role as president of Faulkner University, I'm going to help people in our university with processes. I'm hoping that they will begin to communicate with themselves and one another in more meaningful ways, in more consistent ways. Because, folks, we have a wonderful group of people at Faulkner University. I mean, look around you. So many of your church members in this place are good, wonderful people. Even Gerald Jones. Even the lawyers amongst us, Thurston Reynolds, God bless you. I probably wouldn't be here if it weren't for two people in this congregation today, in this audience. One is Dr. Billy Hillier, and the other one, you know, brother, because they came to see me, and God bless them for it. We need to be sharing personally with one another and challenging one another to do things above and beyond what we think we could do or what we're even comfortable doing. I hope that I can encourage folks at Faulkner to connect. I also hope that Faulkner and the people of Faulkner will connect more frequently and meaningfully with folks in the churches in Montgomery. I'm also hoping for more connection with our community in our city here in Montgomery. Folks, it's not 1980 anymore. There are challenging things happening every day in this city. And do you know who can do something about that? I'm looking at the people who can do something about that. 
you can connect with your community. But the connection that's most important and the connection that I'll leave you with today that I want to challenge you with as we end up is this. Connect with Jesus Christ, the risen Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who gave His skin so that we could be clothed. If you've done that and you've slipped away, or you've backslidden, or you've become disconnected, I want to encourage you to come and ask for prayers. If you've never connected with Jesus Christ through His death, burial, and resurrection and baptism, I want to encourage you to do that, and to do that soon. I'm so looking forward to working with you people, my people here in this church. I'm so thankful that I could stand here today, and I'm so thankful that most of you stayed awake. It was great. And I pray every day for the the, the people in this church and every church in Montgomery that has a connection with Faulkner. I pray that we're going to have a spiritual renewal in this community, in our school, and in our churches that's going to spread all over this country. Because after this pandemic, we sure need it, don't we? Will you do this for me as I finish up? If you're longing for a spiritual renewal, if you believe that there's no time like the present for a spiritual renewal to happen in your life and in Faulkner University and in the churches in this community, will you just raise your hand right now? Do you believe in spiritual renewal? Look around, folks. Praise God for you. I'm confident with your prayers and our prayers together that we can do this through the grace and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have any need, won't you come now as we stand and as we sing?